0: outline, we'll be studying forgiveness, and I'm completely honest with you, not this outline is not my own original work, I took it from my uh, curriculum, it's something that, however the truth still applies, and this individual did a much better job of studying it out than I have, and I will not try to take credit for this individual's work, however the message is true. The Word of God that is used is always true, and we're going to be studying it. something that is very important, something that a lot of people struggle with. I know that from talking to individuals. I know that from my own personal experience. Uh, maybe there are people who are inclined to be forgiving, uh, but I'm not one of them. It's something that is a uh, sin. You might call it a Habitual sin or besetting sin, but whatever it is, holding a grudge, uh, envy, bitterness is unscriptural. It's unbiblical and it is something that we must fight and uh, root out like you pull it up by the roots. Yank it out with force and violence out of your own heart like you would a weed out of your garden. Or absolutely kill it like you would spray down the weeds in your fields. Use Roundup or something. I know that's a chemical that is used nowadays. But let us open with prayer. Our dearly Father, Lord, help me as I teach Your Word. Lord, help the words not to be mine. Help me to be merely a conduit for Your Word. Lord, please help us to grasp this very important truth and how it applies to our Christian lives. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I know I apologize to anybody who would be listening uh, online. I I don't know if anyone listens to any of my sermons in particular online. I know our church posts them there. But if anybody is listening online uh, to our services, I know in uh, radio you're not supposed to have dead time, but we're going to turn to a lot of passages in the Bible. So there will be dead time. And those that are listening via the Internet, please take the opportunity that provides to get your own Bible and look through it. Well, we're going to start out with, we uh, looked at Matthew there, for 18, that's going to be the basis and the foundation, we're going to come back to that. But we're going to uh, go and we're going to start out in First uh, John, chapter 2, and we're going to look at uh, verses 12, and then we're, we're going to be jumping around quite a bit. So have your Bibles ready. If you have a digital Bible, have the browser open where it lets you turn to the books quickly because uh, we're going to be jumping around an awful lot. I'll be switching back and forth between the digital copy of God's Word and the paper copy. we are both the same book, same words. Might as well use them. All right. Turn to 1 John chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 12. <clears throat> it says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for my name's sake. We ask, why must we forgive? Why is a Christian we're called to forgive? Right there it is, right there, plain English, because we have been forgiven, because I have been forgiven. Let's take a step back here a little bit, away from our outline. Let's think about all the things we've done against God. Look at what God has done for us. Uh, We saw it a little bit in the parable there, how it's compared. Think about how all the ways that you've wronged God. Not how you may be a good citizen by man's standards. You've never murdered, you've never stolen. Maybe you're even one of the rare individuals who has never even broken a traffic law. Well, We're not talking about any of that. Those aren't sins against God. Those are sins against man. What have you done against God? God is a perfect and holy God. We're all sinners. None of us deserves anything. We have to grasp that. How many times do we put things in front of God? How many times do we... A good illustration I was given, you want to know what you truly worship, you want to find idols in your life, Track what you spend most of your time thinking about. And if anything in your life you think about more than you think about God, or if there's anything in your life you would put above spending time with God, better take a close look at that. That might be an idol. And that's a sin against God, against the Holy God, against your Creator, against our Creator. I don't stand before you innocent. I only stand before you justified because I've... Accepted Christ as my savior. We'll look at that a little bit more too. But think about all of that. Think about the li- the lies you've told. Society might condemn them as little innocent lies. Maybe a um, maybe a gratuitous answer on your tax returns. Tax season's coming up. Maybe if you have broken a traffic law, that officer asked you how fast you were going. And we kind of erred on the side that made us look good. All that's breaking God's laws. That's lying. One of the Ten Commandments right there. I know no, I know no child is, has completely obeyed their parents in everything. That's another one of God's commandments. So we deserve nothing from God. So why must we forgive? Why must we forgive when someone says something bad about us? When someone robs from us? Going on that topic, going back to our Sunday school lesson, we talked about tithing. How many times have, I mean, I am guilty of it, how many times have we not put in our tithe or our offerings in? And yet we want to be upset when someone either makes a mistake or legitimately rips us off. We have to forgive because we've been forgiven. Turn over to Psalms 86, verse 5. Psalms 86, verse 5, for thou, o Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Can the same be said about us? It's challenging. Are you ready to forgive? Are you plenteous in mercy as an individual this morning? Alright. Let's keep looking. All right, second reason why, just, uh, why we have to forgive. Turn to Ephesians. We're going to do a lot of turning. I've already warned you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. So, memory verse. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You see right there, that's a command. We are commanded by God to forgive. It's not an option. It doesn't only qualify to certain sins. There are not merely just wrongs that you have to forgive. Well, I can forgive someone. He made a mistake. He cut me off. Okay, I can forgive that one. That one's pretty easy, God. No, you have to forgive someone. This does not qualify very much to our country here, but... How many of you in school had to read the story of Corrie ten Boom? How many of you had to read that? Well, didn't see too many hands raised. This is a lady who during World War II lived in Holland, an older lady. I can't remember exactly how old she was, but she was was fairly old, living with her father and her sister. She hid uh, Jews from the Nazis, part of the underground, trying to get them escaped either through Europe or just hide and hold on to them indefinitely. They were caught and they were sent to a concentration camp. Her father died in a concentration camp. She watched her sister die in front of her in a concentration camp. She nearly died. She was molested and abused, watched the same thing happen to her sister. And her testimony is one of forgiveness. We're not just to forgive when someone commits a light offense against us. God doesn't just, thank, thank God he doesn't just forgive our light offenses. When we let a slip of the tongue go or we use his name in vain. No, God forgave us for everything, for our sin. And he commands us to forgive. So now that we know all the two things, why must we forgive? Well, because you've been forgiven and then because we're commanded to. Let's look on down, okay, well, now we know what we're supposed to do. How do we do it? How do we do it? We must make a decision. This is using a banking term. We must make a decision to settle your account with the person that offended you. Like the king. The king called before, called this man before him. Look down there in verse 23 of uh, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 23. Where it says... Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. So first you have to take account, okay? You have to know what the wrongs are. And then, once you realize where everybody else has wronged you, and you see where your account stands, recognize that Jesus settled your account. Take the focus off of you. Recognize that Jesus Christ has settled your account. We'll look at Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Luke chapter 23, verse 24. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Just get a picture of this. Get a picture of what's going on here. Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross. He's been whipped. He's had his beard torn out. He is unrecognizable as a man. He's unrecognizable as a human being. And now as he is nailed to this cross, standing there in front of God and everybody, the people that had taken his clothes away, they're dividing up his clothes. They're selling off his stuff right in front of him. Right after he has been humiliated. And he's dying. He's having everything parted up in front of him, all, all that he had left. And they're, they're gambling for the Savior of the world's garments. The individual, that the God that gave those very men before him breath. They're now gambling for his clothes and have nailed him to a cross, even though he has done absolutely nothing wrong. And look what Christ says. Father, forgive them. And recognize that that's what Christ did for us. We're no better than those men, or those individuals that would mock and pass by. We're no better. And also looking in the parable there, in verses uh, 32 and 33. Make sure I got the right part there. And then his Lord, after he had called him, said to him, Thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all thy debt. Talking about a monetary term here. Quickly, uh, in a financial term, when a debt is forgiven, what happens? What happens? Say again. Yeah, it's gone. It's like it never even existed. It's like it was never there. That's what God, that's what this king did. That's what God did. So that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to make it like it never even happened. Realize that that's what Jesus did to our account. And then, verse uh, in the 18, you look there in verse uh, 27 where it says, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. We are to have compassion on the offender. As Christ did when he forgave us. The king here in his parable chose to, chose to forgive a, t- a huge debt. People have tried to guess at how much it is and tried to guess at how much talents were and all that. not going to get into all that, but it was a huge debt. It was a debt this individual could never repay. Nothing at all. There's nothing that could be done to do that. It was just absolutely impossible. And we'll look under, and then we have to, the last thing that we have to do, as part of wiping a debt clean, you have to release the offender from all wrong. You have to release him. You have to not hold him accountable for what they did to you, what these individuals have done, maybe they' lied maybe someone has lied about you in court, cost you sent you into bankruptcy it's pretty harsh it's happened. think God expects you to forgive that? Yes, <laughs> yes, our sin put Christ on the cross, our sin killed the Son of God our sin made it necessary for him to do that. So yes, we are to release people, the people who have offended us, because we've been forgiven of so much. Looking into a further understanding of forgiveness, uh, look, uh, let's turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we'll look at 17 through 19. Or it says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. As uh, as I had to be re- reminded of many times by parents and uh Uh, teachers alike. The Bible does not say vengeance is thine. It says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God did not give vengeance to us. Justice and vengeance is God's business. Let him take care of that. We have plenty of other things to worry about on this earth. We don't need to worry about paying everybody back tit for tat every wrong that was done to us it's not our job that's a job given to god and god has delegated part of that responsibility to governments they don't always do it they're human we're not going to go into that today that is a common argument that is often given moving on to the next point look in hebrews chapter or chapter 8 and we'll look at verse 12 hebrews chapter 8 verse 12 Says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Forgiveness is an act of the will. Forgiveness is not a feeling. We're commanded to forgive and forgiveness is an act. Oftentimes people say, well, just, just give it time. I'll, 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 I can't forgive that person right now. I need to give it some time. No, that, that, that's not what we ought to do. And we'll look even further into that, why we shouldn't do that a little bit later on but it's it's something that you're commanded to do, and it's something that you must choose to do. You don't wait for the right feeling. You obey, and the right feeling may come afterwards. I I used the word may there because it won't always come. That hurt will still be there, and we'll look at that a little bit later. But forgiveness is an act of the will. God made a conscious decision to forgive us, and we must make a conscious decision to forgive others. It's not something, it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it's a choice. It's an act, just like love is a choice, it's not a feeling. And then, let's look back into, uh, let's look back, turn all the way back to Matthew chapter 5. And we'll look at verse 44. Or says, "But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you." We're to pray for those who hurt us. Pray for those that hurt you. That's something that's very difficult. That's not something that can be easily done. And no, uh, I'm saying this all of because of the foolish thoughts that I've had. In the past, i um, not that old yet, so I'm very well acquainted with the error of my ways when I was youthful, but you don't pray that God smites them. You don't pray for vengeance. You pray for them in a way that maybe they need to come to Christ. Maybe there's something going on in their life that you don't know about. Maybe God's working on their heart. You don't know, but pray for them. And pray that God leads them to recognize the error of their ways. Don't. I, I would not advise praying for vengeance. And now we're going to look at the results of not forgiving. Moving right along here, going back to Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. And we'll look at verse fifteen. Or it says, Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. That there is not talking about salvation. That is talking about forgiveness. It's talking about a root of bitterness springing up. And you will become bitter if you do not forgive someone. You have a choice. When someone has wronged you, there's two things you can do. You can either forgive them which God commands you to do, God shows you how to do, God gives numerous examples of, and God himself did for you, or you can become bitter. You can't have it both ways. Something, one of those two things will happen. And we're going to see what bitterness will do. And you will be tormented, much like the individual in Matthew chapter 18. Look back there. Matthew chapter 18, we'll look at verses 33 and 34. Through the end of the chapter, shouldest not not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. When that bitterness springs up in you, it it gives a way into your heart, and a way into your thought process, For the devil to attack you and to torment you. And these tormentors, I hope no one here has ever had to experience the annoyance of debt collectors. But that's kind of what these tormentors, it's kind of what it does to you. (coughs) It never lets up. It never goes away. It's constantly bothering you, constantly nagging you. Hey, so-and-so did this. So-and-so did this to you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You've been wronged. Make this right. Settle this. Settle this. Get it done. It's just getting worse. It's building up. It's building up. And if you let that, you hold on to something, you don't forgive, that bitterness will torment you constantly. That's why you need to wipe it clean. Settle the account. Get it settled. Forgive it. Make it like it never happened. So we see that you will be tormented. Next, you will give control to the devil, you will hand over control of your thought process to the devil. The devil works through bitterness. Bitterness is not of God. Not sure if anybody was uh, confused on that. Enough. Bitterness is not of God. It is from Satan. It is one of the ways he uses to attack you and to set Christians against one another and to destroy their testimony. Look down in Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. Where it says there, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So we see that the place of the devil comes in through anger. It comes in through wrath. And our bitterness lets him come in. It lets him control us. It gives him a place to set up. It gives him a foothold. Know some of us here were in the military. Once an enemy, we all had to learn. You are taught it in boot camp. You learn to never let anything breach your perimeter, ever. Not in your formations, not in your constantly, always had someone on watch. That's so that you were trained to never let anything get even the slightest, smallest amount of a foothold. Because then it grows. Once you're breached, kind of like your skin. Kind of like if you let something punch your skin, a knife. Something's wrong there. And once that happens, there's problems. Because once, kind of like you let bitterness get into you, get in your soul, root of bitterness springing up, gives place to the devil, a place for the devil to work from, if that wound isn't taken care of, that wound isn't closed up, you're going to get infected. And that infection is not going to just stay in that one area. It's going to spread to the rest of your body. And it's going to go everywhere, and that's what bitterness will do. That's what anger and wrath will do. The devil will use that. He won't be happy just staying in one area. He won't be happy just controlling one aspect of your life. The devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He does not want just a chunk. He wants to devour completely. So forgive. Understand that. Don't give control to the devil. Well... Now we know all the things we should do, some things how to forgive, I'll we'll expand on it a little bit more. Actually, no, I didn't, I skipped the point. Or did I? No, can't even read my own notes. Embarrassing. Alright, hopes on forgiveness. Recognize that forgiveness can be a process. Kind of like when you're figuring out the debt. And someone wipes that clean. All the areas of your life that might be affected by that. Maybe this debt has led to the reclamation of property. Once that debt is forgiven, property has to go back. Different accounts have to be settled. It can be a process. It's not just a one-time thing. As you can see here from the parable, it wasn't just one time that the Lord forgave this servant. It was still there. And forgiving does not mean that you will forget. It doesn't mean you'll forget the offense. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Romans chapter 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love is the fulfilling of the law. Turn also back in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 31. (laughs) Jeremiah chapter 31. We'll look at verse 34. And it says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. See, we see there that God, God's an all-knowing God. He can't forget anything. He can't. We're to be like Christ. He can't forget. He can choose not to remember, though because he has control over everything. Forgetting is something that you don't do on purpose. You don't choose to forget something. You choose not to remember something. Forgetting is something you do by mistake or by accident or by feeling or by some other circumstance. Not remembering something is a choice. It's when you choose not to remember what happened. You choose not to give place to it in your thought process. Anytime a thought process or you want to go back to that evil or that bitterness of how someone has offended you, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Nope, I'm not remembering that. I'm not touching that. That's I, I made it like it never happened. We're not going there. That's what not remembering is. People use the term forgive and forget. Not, that doesn't always happen. That sometimes don't be fooled by things that sound good. Don't be fooled by every good sounding mime, meme that comes across the internet. It's not always true. It might sound good. It might sound true, but it's not always scriptural. Sometimes you have to choose not to remember something. You're never, you're never going to forget a traumatic event like a, someone be, a family member being killed in front of you or a friend being killed in front of you. You're not going to forget that. That stays with you for the rest of your life. Ask any combat veteran. That doesn't go away. You have to choose to not remember that. That doesn't go away just on its own. If you let that fester, bad things will happen to you. And that's what we have to do with our sins. And that's not our sins. That's what God did with our sins. He chose not to remember it. He forgave us our iniquities. And he will not remember our sins anymore. They're still, they happened. Illustration that uh, her her gentleman used, it's not my illustration, I won't take credit for it, but it's illustration of a father. Whenever his son would sin, he'd make him hammer a nail into a door. When that son asked for forgiveness, the father would forgive him and pop the nail out. Now that nail was gone. The evidence of that nail, though, it was still there. We can't just sin and, God, forgive me. Yeah, God will forgive you. He won't remember your sins, but it'll still hurt you, because when you sin, you're not just hurting yourself, you're hurting others and God. Those hurts don't just go away. You don't just magically heal. This ain't the movie's. And also, you have to remember that, uh, turn on to your next page rebuilding a relationship is not a condition of forgiveness. Romans 12, verse 18. It says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Going back to that uh, 10 Boom illustration, this lady, she once when she was uh, teaching, she got to speak, give her testimony in a church. One of the prison guards that been very cruel—there's children present. I'll use the term cruel—to her sister and her in front of her came up to her and asked her to forgive him, and she did. But you got to realize that ain't always going to happen. Out of all the prison guards that wronged Miss Ten Boom, only one came and made that relationship right. Only one of them. It didn't happen with every single one of them. And you can't have a condition of, I'm not going to forgive that person, that individual, I'm not going to forget that wrong, forgive that wrong, until they do right by me. I mean, there is a process in the Bible for how we are to make things right with our fellow believers, but that is not a prerequisite to forgiveness. That is a process by which to make things right, and not everybody will make things right. And that is something you're going to have to pray for the grace to deal with. A relationship being rebuilt is not a condition of forgiveness. And then looking at some practical things there, we're going to look at some scripture here, then we're going to look at some evidences that you have forgiven from the heart. We're going to flip around quite a bit, uh, starting out in Romans 13, verse 10. We'll revisit that one. Romans 13, verse 10. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Next place we're going to go, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That right there is talking about bringing into thought, bringing into captivity every thought, every thought of vengeance, every thought of uh, self pity or self loathing for what happened. Bringing the thoughts into captivity. Let's go look again. Let's look at. Uh, let's now turn to Philippians chapter four and we'll look at verse eight. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That's what we're supposed to think on. So we take into captivity our thoughts. We choose not to entertain the ones of vengeance and pity. And we choose to instead think on things that are honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, praise. That's what we have to do. And the evidence that you have forgiven from the heart are, you don't remind the offender of the offense. And you don't discuss the offense with others. (laughs) That there is talking about gossip. Now, not saying, um, I have to give a little bit of a caveat here. Children, if you've been offended, discuss it with your parents. Talk to them. That is, if something wrong has happened, bring it to your parents. That's not cover something you hide behind it. Something, something happened, oh, no, I need to just forgive and not. No, you don't discuss it with people that are not your parents. You bring everything to your parents. You tell your parents everything. I say, well, Mr. Dan, did you do that with your parents? wish I had, and I was grateful for the times that I did. And I'll leave it at that. Husbands and wives, no there's, no, there's no secrets between husband and wife. ought not to be. And just per offense, if you, if you tell me anything, you say, well, this is between you and me. Eh, no, it's not. Because it's automatically going to my wife. And that's the way it is, Her with me. It's the same thing, and that's the way it needs to be. Though I sometimes mess up and think, ooh, shoot, I really need to tell my wife about this. Yeah, it happens. Take care of it. Not, per- not saying I'm perfect. Just saying that. Just a little bit of caveat on that. That's pretty much a command not to gossip. But there are people, I mean, husband and wife, you are one. So something happens bad against one, it happens bad against the other one. And children... You're still under your parents. They're the God-given protection and the God-given authority. Stay there. Stand under that protection that God has given you. Put it there for a reason. Put it there for a purpose. Use it. All right. I'm going back, around from, that, uh, back from, around from that rabbit trail. Bring every thought into captivity. You refuse to think about the offense in your mind. You refuse to dwell on it. You refuse to keep rehashing it over and over and over again and all the possible ways you could get revenge. We need to be grateful that Christ did not do that to us. We need to be very grateful that He doesn't hold our sins over our heads. He says He, sins are as far away as the east is from the west. That's how far He removed it from us. And that's what we need to do. Now all of this stuff about forgiveness, is all a good lesson, and it's all a good If you're not if you're a Christian, these are things that you're commanded to do. However, if you are not, if you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, if there's anyone that is here today that has not accepted Christ, we invite you to do that Uh, in a little bit. We're going to sing a song of invitation. We're going to sing hymn number three hundred and nineteen. And if you don't know Christ, if nobody has explained to you from the Bible how you can know him as your Savior. About a second or two, and the pianist plays. We're going to ask you to come. And let's all stand.